delve into First Thessalonians, and um, what we'll do is we'll go through. I kind of give you a little bit of an overview, and then maybe uh, after the holidays are over, we'll go into a little bit deeper. Um, uh, but again, uh, Paul's uh, experience and what he's writing to the church, uh, it is to one specific group, but God intends it for us, for all, all of us. And, and uh, so these epistles are absolute gifts from God, and they're powerful in their ability to uh, give us direction and help us uh, to understand what it is that um, uh, we're supposed to live and uh, how we're supposed to be. So let me start with First Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, starting at chapter 2 down to 5. It says, we, we always thank God for you all, remembering you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance uh, of hope in our Lord Jesus, knowing your election, brothers, loved by God for you, uh, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with much assurance. You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit. Let me read this again. As, as, um, as he always did, uh, and, and I say the Holy Spirit always does, he edifies every time. Even when there is a harsh word to be spoken, it starts out with a word of edification. And, um, you know, the thing of it is we too often think God, that we, we attribute uh, uh, personality and attributes to natural disciplinaries and disciplinarians in our life or that father figure in our life and we we oftentimes think that God is like that and and the, the reality is he's nothing like that and unless you know you had a very loving and, and kind and considerate father and and again as much as I love my dad in and just get, was able to spend a couple days with him just recently and I'm so thankful for that uh you know there's attributes about him that are just purely human attributes. And so uh, you can't always, and it's a great thing, you've got to be able to separate that in your life and realize that, uh, you know, forgive your parents, you know, and, and, and not hold God to that standard in your life. So my point is this. There is always when he opens the word, he opens it with edifying lifting up, building us up. Try that in your life. Build one another up. Let it be when you get up in the morning. I don't care if you had a bad night's sleep or not. Speak something kind. Greet one, you know, your, your husband, your wife, your children. Do whatever it takes to, to, um, to be edifying. Uh, and so, and he starts out, we always thank God for you. You know, we, we're, we remember you constantly. And he goes on, you're, the good things, your labor of love, your, your endurance uh, of hope. But he goes on, and I want to focus on this just for a minute. It says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy 
spirit and with much assurance. Now, I want you to think about that. The gospel comes to us by somebody speaking the word of God in our lives. Is that right? That's how it comes to us. I mean, not very few people have had the Saul to Paul experience where God just knocks them off the high horse and in divine revelation. But still, at the end of the day, even in that, when when Paul said, what do you want me? When Saul said, what do you want me to do? And I'm talking about Acts chapter 9. You know, Paul is on his way or Saul is on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And Jesus knocks him off the horse to bright light. You know, he's blinded by it, and he looks up. He said, what do you have me do? He said, go to Ananias, and he's going to tell you what you got to do. He's always used that human element to, to preach the gospel, always. But the reality of it is, it's, and Paul says it here, he said, I, we didn't, it wasn't the word, it wasn't word only. Um, uh, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power. There is a power in and to the Word of God that is absolutely life-changing. And, and to allow the power of God's Spirit and His presence in our lives, it is the difference maker. It is the difference between living a religious idea and living in the presence of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, it starts out for the majority, of, for all of us, in Word. You've got to have the Word. It is powerful. It is a powerful confession to say, I believe your Word. And and that's necessary. I don't uh, uh, take away from that at all, but, but the reality of it is there is a power to God's Word that can be and should be life-changing. And uh, if you look at Acts chapter 2, starting at verse number 1, uh, when Jesus, I mean, he was God in the flesh. He was the Word made flesh dwelling among us, right? So if, if it was Word alone that could uh, convince and convict and, and bring change, he walked with these disciples for three and a half years, did he not? The living word, miraculous events happening all around them. And yet, when it came down to it, did they understand what was going on? No, they really didn't. They thought he was going to restore Israel to a kingdom. They thought all this kind of stuff. And, and finally, in Acts chapter 1, and, you, and I, you know, I appreciate you reading the scripture, finding out for yourself. But in Acts chapter one, he's gathered together with them all, and he tells them, he said, he said, uh, you're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. I am convinced that that's what Paul is talking about here to the church in Thessalonica. He said, you did not just receive the word, but also in power. So Jesus says in in uh, Acts chapter one, verse number eight, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. And he names all the places, you know, Samaria, Jerusalem, the uttermost parts of the earth. And so they're like, okay, 
they they still didn't get it. And in that in that event right there, Jesus ascends. They're like, okay, what do we do? Well, we got to go to Jerusalem. That was the last word. We go to Jerusalem and wait. And so you find them there in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. They're in Jerusalem, not even knowing necessarily what it's going to be like, what's going to happen. All they know is he promised uh, that once they receive uh, the power of the Holy Ghost, then they would be a witness. Up until that time, there was confusion. There was fear. There was, like, I don't know which direction to go here. There was everything from great sorrow to great joy. They were, they were all over the place. When they saw Jesus die, they, they, they went and hid, didn't they? They did not know what to do. They did not have a direction to go. And they had been living with the Word made flesh. And so they finally get to Jerusalem, and after 10 days, the Bible says, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived. You know what Pentecost means? Literally means 50. It's really not a huge, significant f- feast. The Jews, in, in God's, by God's design, always had a holiday. They lo- he loved the party. You think God's not for a party, you're wrong. He made more excuses for them to get together and just have a good time. So Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. That's all it was. It was another reason to get together. Woo! We're God's people. And it was the Feast of Pentecost. So they're getting together 50 days after the death, burial, and resurrection or after the crucifixion of Christ. They're getting together again in Jerusalem. They're coming back in for a party, coming back in for a feast day, and, and they're, they're, they're gathering from all over the place. And it was on that day, if we call ourselves Pentecostal, that's why. It's just that was the day that God first poured out the Holy Ghost upon mankind. Before that time, and I believe me, we, we if you got some, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about it. If you got this was the first time, okay? God moved upon prophets by his spirit. He did things in various ways, moved on them, but this was the first time that we, the the spirit of God was poured out upon all, as the Bible said, all flesh. So when the day of Pentecost had had arrived, uh, uh, they were all together in one place, suddenly sound that like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled all the house where they were sitting and tongues like as a fire were divided appeared to them and rested upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability to speak. Speaking in other tongues is a valid biblical experience. And it came on the day of Pentecost. It was evidence that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon mankind. You can, you know, well, it was different languages. It was, yes, I speak a different language. I, I'm just, somebody said the other day, well, you guys don't speak in tongues. And I said, I speak in tongues all the time. I speak in tongues every day. Um, 
It's not like I'm saying I got to speak in tongues. I just do. When I'm praying, I'll, I'll speak in tongues. Well, that's not right. Wow, there nobody was an interpreter. Listen, yeah, I, I don't have time here. I should take time. But the reality of it is there is a tongue for interpretation. There is a tongue that is a private prayer language that no man understands. And, and it helps us. It's a benefit for us. And, and I can show you biblically why I believe that's true. And that speaking in tongues is a valid New Testament church phenomena. And it's not for the early church only. It's for the church. Okay, so, well, I've never experienced it. Well, some people don't experience it because they don't think it's for them. And if, and if there's something out there that they, uh, you don't believe is for you, it's not something you receive. You've got to believe what, what I can show you. I can show you in his word. It's powerful. It's, it's life-changing. And I'm going to just a couple of experiences for me. All right, when we're talking about the, the power of the Holy Ghost, I was in, and this is just me, and I, this has happened to others also, I'm sure. I know it has. I was preaching in Oneonta at a tent meeting one time. And uh, now, let me say this about uh, speaking in other tongues. Are there people that abuse it? Of course there are. That's why 1 Corinthians, Paul spent so much time because they're being knuckleheads. They're thinking, yeah, well, you know, they're super spiritual because they, you know, if I'm up here speaking in tongues, what benefit is that to you? When I speak in tongues, it's my private time. Okay, if I'm doing that in a worship service when we're worshiping God, I'm not afraid. Well, well, no, you can't speak in tongues in the church. I'm not speaking to the church. I'm worshiping God. And if you're worshiping in English and I'm over here singing and I'm, you know, speaking tongues, I'm not speaking to anybody. I'm, it's just me and God praying. It's just like me praying. When I say let's pray and we all pray together, I'm not praying for you to hear me at that time. If I'm leading in prayer, I am not going to speak in tongues while I'm leading in prayer. It is of zero benefit. You're, you're absolutely misusing it. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So uh, um, I'm down in Oneana, and, and God is my witness. You can ask him. Okay. I'm not trying to make this up to make a point. I am praying for somebody at the altar, and I just was speaking in tongues. I wasn't speaking to them. I was speaking in tongues. And... Um, one of Brother Spring's friends says, oh, uh, Pastor Wade knows Spanish. And Mitch, in his, the way he speaks, he says, no, Wade can hardly speak English. <laughs> he said, no, he's up there speaking fluent Spanish. He said, well, what's he saying? And it was, it was glorifying God. It was something that was just spiritually life-giving. And I, was, I, I didn't know what I was saying. I did the same thing when I had the uh, privilege of going to Russia one time. I was in St. Petersburg in a small group, and we were praying. And I, did, I just was praying. I was praying in tongues. And the man in broken English next to me said, do you know you were just speaking Arabic? I said, no. I said, what was I saying? And he, again, it was very much lifting up. Uh, 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 the Lord and just praise to God. Now, that's not some language I naturally learned. It was a speech, a, a language that God gave me by that gifting, by the power of His Spirit. So, so 
so listen to me here. They get done. They get out in the street. They make this proclamation. Uh, Peter preaches the very first message in the New Testament church. The day of Pentecost and the power of that experience was the birth of the church. Um, let, let me listen to this. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 15, there was a controversy about, uh, there was a big council. They had gone into the Gentiles, and the Gentiles received the gospel. Up until uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, um, it had only been preached to the Jews, right? So God, by, by revelation, tells Peter, you go and preach this to Cornelius, who was an Italian. And so the, the, he's preaching to Cornelius' household. And you know what happens? As P Peter's preaching, the Bible says the Holy Ghost falls on them. How did they know that? Well, they were speaking in tongues. So, Okay, so it's like they get called before the council. Everybody's all upset that the Gentiles are now hearing the gospel. And, and, and so they're given an account. This is the account that Peter's given. I want you to know the way they were thinking about this. In Acts chapter uh, number 11 and verse 15, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them. He's referring to what happened in Acts chapter 10. As they began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. Okay, So he's given an account. He said, as I was speaking and I was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them just like it did to, on us at the beginning. What's significant about that? Do you realize what Peter called the beginning? Think about in their mind what it was that was the start of all of this. He called the day of Pentecost the beginning. That's what he called the beginning. Now, think about the significance of the birth of Christ. Pretty powerful stuff. He didn't call that the beginning. Think about when Jesus entered his earthly ministry and changed the wall or the baptism, right? Where, you know, voice from heaven, the dove's coming down. Like, Whoa, that's got to be the beginning. Wouldn't you call that the beginning? Or, or how, how about when he changes the water into wine or, or you know, whatever it is, at least, if nothing else, the crucifixion. Come on, man, he paid for the sins of all mankind by shedding his blood. Well, if not that, how about the resurrection? Wouldn't you call the, the power of his resurrection the beginning of all of this? Did they? No, what did they call the beginning? When the Holy Ghost came down. Okay, because there are external things that you can believe in and, and, and not fully grasp because, listen to this, listen to this. And I, I'm not, you got to start, the natural man hears the word, but can the natural man receive the things of the Spirit? What's the Scripture say? Absolutely not. Spiritual life and spiritual understanding comes from spiritual life. 
And the reason why the apostles, the reason why Peter called the day of Pentecost the beginning, because it was when they became spiritually alive. When they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was like, boom, the light went on. And there was no more fear. There was no more confusion. There was no more wondering what and how. It was like, oh, my goodness, now all the word of God that he spoke to us, there's life to it because spiritual life, do not, do not. And I understand, listen to me, you know where we came from and where we are today. I honor people of faith. I honor people that have have a faith in God, that trust in him. Every one of us start there. I, I, I don't think we're better than a church down the road that doesn't uh, believe or understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe we're better than them because we don't have anything that we have but that God gives us revelation. That doesn't say we got more revelation than you. We're better than you. God can give revelation in a moment's time. It doesn't make anybody superior to anyone. And so I honor that. I honor people of faith. I honor, you know, there are some great things, even though I don't believe with people doggering, there's some great things that their other denominations do. But I will tell you, do not underestimate the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. You that have tasted of that thing, don't think, well, it's no big deal. It is the very beginning of my spiritual life. When I had an idea who he was and and wanted to know who he was and was struggling with faith, God filled me with his spirit, and man, it was life. Life Life-changing. I cannot, uh, by experience, I can't underestimate that. And I cannot deny it. And Again, uh, I, I don't say that to put down somebody else. I say that because it's the reality of my experience and what I see in the Word and what the Apostle Peter said was the very beginning for him. It was the beginning. And everything else that went on, you understand what I'm saying? Everything else that went on in the ministry and the life of Christ, all of this, for them to call the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out, the beginning, that's pretty profound, I think. So, um, when, when Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, let me tell you about Paul, too. Paul didn't come into the church till way after Pentecost. I've heard people say, oh, no, that just happened there. Paul received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues. You can read that in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. He said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than anybody. Don't be ashamed of that. I mean, you don't go throwing it out there for people just because you want to um, be controversial, but don't be ashamed. I speak in tongues all the time. It's not a big deal. So, First um, Corinthians chapter two, Paul says this. He said, "My speech and my proclamation was not uh, with persu- persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith not be based on man's wisdom, but on God's power. The power of God in our life is a reality." There can be, and I, you know, uh, having the gift of gab, right? You can, and honestly, I am not very good at sermonizing. I'm not good at it. 
if I try to piece together a sermon, I just I screw it up bad. If if it's anointed words, it just comes out and, and it just comes out. But there are some people that are just incredibly gifted at uh, manipulating words. They're gifted, and we if you got to be careful. There are persuasive words of man's wisdom that if you're not careful, you can be drawn away because they sound good. And Paul said, I didn't do that to you. He said, so that your faith might not be based on man's wisdom, but God's power. He uses the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. I'm not trying to belittle myself. I'm not. It's a reality. I am nobody. I'm somebody to him. I know that. But he chose, he picked somebody up. I'm, I'm like, I tell the, my friends that are coming from high school when I used to be on their farm. I said, I'm nothing but a farmer from Gansburg that went in the Navy. That, you know, and, but God called and gifted. And so, you know, uh, uh, he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. That's why you can say, oh, I'm not gifted enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. He doesn't need education for him to use you. In fact, oftentimes, and I'm not against education, oftentimes he's got to work through that to get his word out. Do you follow what I'm saying? It is the power of God in our lives that's going to keep us in these last days. It's the power of God in our lives that's going to reach this world. It's that light that he gives us, not just because we can polyparrot or quote Scripture, but because we become that living word ourselves by the power of his word in our lives. We become the living word. No, 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 that's just for Jesus. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, Jesus said to them, then you'll be my witness. That's pretty profound. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you'll be my witness. Why? Because that's the power of God. And man, they come out of the upper room with that Holy Ghost experience, and they were laughed at. You guys are drunk. Peter said, no, not like you think. He said, it's only the ninth hour of the day. He said, but what I have received, the power of God in our lives. We're not drunk as you spoke. He didn't say they weren't under the influence. But not like you think. And he goes on and talks about uh, the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. So so what I want you to see again was how much they, um, they put out their... It's not just, and I, it doesn't sound, uh, I, I don't want to belittle. It starts with the word. But when you receive the word, man, and, and I'm asking, don't, don't just, you know, I'm just going to swallow hook, line, and sink or whatever you say. Look to the word yourself. Pray yourself. Say, God, I want to be open to whatever you have for me. And I want to be closed off to whatever you don't. It's just wisdom. The Bereans, you know what? They were more noble than anybody because when they heard these things, they checked it out and to see whether they'd be true. So, uh, so Paul tells uh, the church there, you know, 
you receive this in power. So the next couple chapters, let me just, I'm going to kind of breeze through them real quick. Actually, I'm not even going to turn to them, but they're about the church was being persecuted. And they were suffering some things, and Paul and, and Timothy and those that were with them, if you read those, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and Paul basically said, listen, that's normal. You know, it's absolutely normal. Just come on. You guys, are, you guys can handle this. If we're going to live in this world, the reality of it is we're going to have tribulation. If you're going to walk and say that you are Christ, you are going to endure persecution. Now, you know, whatever you think, America didn't change because we voted somebody else new in. It's like, oh, man, everything's going to change. No, nothing changed. You know, there's still, there's a, you know, Christianity is, has been for so long uh, in, in the last decade, the only uh, religious idea that it's okay to be against. And uh, so... We're going to, in the times to come, endure persecution, and we're going to suffer some things. And you know what? It's okay. We need to arm ourselves like that. And, that, and basically, that's what those two chapters, I'm paraphrasing it. It's like, good job. Come on, hold up. Uh, it's worth it. And it is. There's, there's no uh, thing that's come on to us that, that hasn't already been. I can't imagine... Um, what they endured in the early church. I cannot imagine. And in comparison right now, we've, we've got it really, really good. And so, but I, I want to start again because I've just limited to about 15 more minutes here uh, in chapter 4. But before I do, I'm going to breathe, have a sip of coffee, and ask if there are any questions. Because I just can talk a mile a minute. Questions at all or comments? Yeah, no, no, fine. I've heard that too. Um, uh, I, I'm going to tell you, if I hear that often, I pray, I pray for that individual. Or have you ever prayed, God, change my tongues? You ever prayed that? Do it. Do it. Say, Lord, give me, give, give me a, you know, uh, 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 he, he'll do that. He's done. Either, I've been in prayer meetings where all of a sudden, man, I'm speaking something totally different. Well, okay, when a kid starts babbling, and he's trying to um, explore language. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you ever hear them? Just they'll, bat, you know, they'll try to make sounds. And I, I sometimes I equate that to um, um, they are not yet fluent. 
Okay, with the Bible says, with stammering lips and another tongue. There's times, you know, that some will just stammer; they won't even say anything. Ever seen anybody with stammering lips? So, so I don't, I don't belittle that, or, or, or and I know that's not what you're doing, but I don't say, you know, um, um, well, my my belief is that that is there. Some people get stuck in one spot. And they don't, because they've had that experience, it's so wonderful, awesome. It's, and again, it's not the whole, the, speaking in other tongues is wonderful. But the reality is, is receiving the Holy Ghost is amazing. That's life-giving. That is just uh, a, a uh, manifestation of the Spirit. But it's receiving that that is amazing. And life changing and enlightening, enlightening. So it, it's not the only, it's not like oh they receive the Holy Ghost again when you speak in tongues. No, I re, I receive the Holy Ghost spoken in other tongues. It's resident. It's in me. There's some people that barely ever speak in tongues. Um, you know, I'm glad that's not me. Uh, but the reality, what I think happens is some people just, they get to that initial thing, and then, and then that's where they stay. Well, don't stay, don't stay there. If, if, you're, if you've spoken in the same tongue for years and years and years, I want you to pray with me. God, change me. Change that. And then t- tell me when it changes, because it is amazing when it changes. Allah. Because there are things, if somebody gets stuck saying the same thing over and over and over again, there are, there are spiritual uh, uh, mysteries to be spoken and prayers to be prayed. When somebody's really, the Spirit itself helps our weakness. It makes intercession for us, is what Romans chapter 8 says. And so there ought to be, sometimes you, wow, man, I have never, I don't even know what I'm saying now. Absolutely, it is a valid thing. Or when you're praying with some for somebody, you know, with sickness or 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 sorrow or heartache, I don't know what to pray. Well, my friend's daughter just gets killed. I don't know what to say. God, pray, speak. Let the Spirit speak mysteries and intercede. It's powerful. It's powerful. So let me say this: just because somebody, um has and you maybe have had a bad experience or in a church with a bad experience or you may have been in the church and said that's not right and it's demonic i remember in the 70s and 80s it was of the devil well you know what the southern baptists come alongside and said well it's not of the devil so we've come a long ways and and if it if it uh makes you nervous don't get nervous if you think we're weird you're right no doubt, but but I'm telling you, it is real. I'm telling you by experience, it's real. It it draws me near to. Well, the thing of it is, if you're if you're having a sense, and this is it, I don't don't do this out of shame or lack. Uh, maybe lack's not the right, but like, oh, I got to, or man, if I don't, if I, do it because it's a gift. It's, it, it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's what he wants for us. And so don't do it at, like, oh, I'm weird. 
You know, I'm not, this isn't happening. And, and then you get down, I've watched people, and, and that's a, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a cloak that you get. Don't do that. Just, man, God's got a gift. How many want everything God has for you? Well, let me see. It don't matter if I finish it or not. I'm on a plane. Uh, it was Tressie's mom uh, died. How many remember that? That was a long time ago. And so they asked me to do the funeral in um, Church Point, Louisiana. So anyway, yada, yada. Go down there, ate Cajun food. It was awesome. Um, and they bury people on top of the ground. So they're not really burying them. I don't know why they call them burying them. But literally, it was that deep. Uh, and they put a concrete vault around them. But unique. Uh, and she knew the Lord, so I, I'm not, uh, you know, I can rejoice in that. So anyway, I'm on the way home. And on the plane, there's a guy sitting in the seat next to me, and he's reading This Present Darkness. Anybody remember those books? They were amazing. I need to read them again. Uh, Piercing the Darkness, This Present, was kind of like uh, um, spiritual warfare. It was a fiction novel, but it was, they were so good. So he's reading that. And I'm like, hmm. Always looking for an open door. I said, hey, I said, Man, I love those books. He said, oh, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, so we got talking. He said, uh, yeah, I go to the United Methodist Church. I said, oh, man. I, I said, I'm a, I'm a preacher in a Pentecostal church. He said, one of those tongue-talking churches? I said, yeah. He said, can you tell me about that? He said, I, you know, I've heard all kinds of things about speaking in tongues, and I just, I don't understand. And so we had, I forget, we went from uh, New Orleans to uh, Chicago, wherever we were, so we were captive. Uh, and we just, it wasn't on a place of, you're, I'm better than you, and you don't, this guy had faith, he loved God, it was, it was amazing, and God had a divine uh, connection for him and I. And I got to share my experience. You can do that without condemning people. You can do that without making them feel like they're lackey. What you want them to feel like is they can have. And so um, after, I don't even know all that I said. I shared the scripture and why, you know, all that. And he said, okay. And he took my email address. I took his. How many times you talk to somebody on the plane and you never see him again or hear from him again? One week later, I get an email. Pastor Wade, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. He said, I was in a small group on Saturday night. He said, and, and I began to pray and I began to speak in tongues. He said, and it was amazing. He said, it's life-changing. And he went on, he said, I am so thankful that you sat next to me on the plane. And, and uh, I just, you know, again, when God, how many know God's orchestrated your life? Okay. Don't, don't, well, you know, people, well, you're telling me I'm not this. and you, Nobody's telling you anything. Maybe God's telling you, hey, this is for you because, you know, that intersection, that divine connection. And, and uh, so... Too many other, too many other stories to tell about times that you get that. See, you don't hear me preaching this 
like we used to preach it. Remember that? It was every week, boom, boom, boom. We, why? Because we don't need to. You don't need to shove it down somebody's throat. It isn't that. What they need to do is believe that Jesus is. And once you begin that relationship uh, with the Word, then the power of God, it will come on you. The promises to you, to your children, to as many as far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you're called of God, guess what's going to happen? The power of the Holy Ghost is going to be on you. It's coming on you. If it hasn't, it will. That's just the reality of it. We used to think, man, you know, we used to have Holy Ghost rallies and, you know, pressure people into getting that. It's ridiculous. We're wanting them to speak in tongues to make us feel good. That's not right. It's not right. This isn't notches on a, you know, gun stock. Oh, got that one. How many have received the Holy Ghost today? Well, aren't you doing? We're preaching the word. What's going to happen? He's going to confirm it. The demonstration of uh, of the spirit and power is going to be there. How many know the power of God was here this morning? How many felt that demonstration of God's presence, His power was? It's real. You you don't make that up. I don't want to. I don't want to drum that up with just emotion. I want it to be the real thing. And when that happens, and people walk away saying, "What is different?" Realize this, there's people that have, no, I won't say that. But not every place you go do you feel the presence of God. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. All right, so having said all that, I'm going to drink coffee and that, wait for another question. This is another one. Are we broadcasting? Yes? This is good coffee. Really good. You're making me crazy. I recommend you coming to church and trying it. <sighs> Anything else there? I can. There is hours and hours of Bible study on this that we could go into. Uh, but I just want to tell the church, please don't let that slip. Don't let that slip. Uh, it, it, it's worth, it's, it's a part of who we are. So, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse number 1, I'm reading from the Holman Christian on this one. He says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God, as you are doing, do so even more. Okay? How many know you could do more? Right? So, you know, you're walking to please God. I'm, my life, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced God's favor is on my life. I know His grace. I, but could I do more? Yes. So I'm just, you know, I don't, don't do that out of, you know, you're never good enough. I'm not saying that. Don't ever do that. You know, you could go down that road and you'll never be good enough. Who's going to be good enough? But you could do more. And... Um, uh, and looking for that open door, it says so. He says, "Do so. Do more, even more." It says, "For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is God's will: your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So that each of you know how knows how to control his own body in sanctification and honor, not with lustful desires like the Gentiles who don't know God." 
This means one must not trespass against and defraud his brother in this matter. Think about that. Now, let me just finish. He says, because the the Lord is the avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. God has not called us to impurity, but to sanctification. Therefore, the person who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also gives you his Holy Spirit. Okay. There's a difference in having church rules and having God rules. Right? God has rules. And uh, I'm not talking about anything or anybody. B.C., We're talking about before Christ. We're talking about the church of the living God. And he's talking to the church of Thessalonica. He said it's God's will for you to abstain from sexual immorality. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you what. If there's immorality on parade, where is it but all around us? Okay, and and you got to be careful. I I realize how easy it is to be caught up in the carnality of this world, but it's we need to know how to possess our vessels in honor and sanctification. God has given us the ability. I I am not here talking about perfection. I'm talking about direction in our lives we are assaulted on every hand immorality is no longer immoral it's normal uh it's in our entertainment it's in our movies it's in the magazines it's all around us and we're bombarded with the idea to accept what's immoral but i'm telling you we are light to this world and to stand against it, to fight against it, to not let it become habitually and continually a part of your life is absolutely essential for you as you follow Christ. And, and it's not about the, you know, oh, this rule, and I can't do this, I can't do this. It's about following God. You're not rejecting some man-made rule. You're rejecting God. Look, l- listen to this. Listen. Survey the crowd. Okay. It's still wrong to live together without being married. It's called fornication. Right? It's still wrong to have sex before you're married. That's called fornication. It's still wrong to be even emotionally involved with another woman or another man. It it leads to adultery. And in fact, it is a form of adultery when you, are, when you are looking to somebody else other than your head to provide for you anything along the ways of emotional support and all. I'm telling you, there's some people, oh, well, we're just really good friends. Look, I, I love you. I love you guys. I do. And, and I'm as touchy-feely as any guy here because, because I don't feel threatened. All right, because my relationship with with you uh, of the opposite sex is through my wife first. You know, and some of you, you're like my kids to me. And 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 because of that, you're like Jeannie's 
got that same relationship, and I know that. But, I, but I'm telling you, why? Because why do you do that? Because you're so holy. No, because I want to, to possess this vessel in honor and sanctification, and, and I want to obey God. Believe me, I want to. I'm not doing this because it's my job. I'm not doing this to make a living. I, I do this because I uh, uh, want to serve him. I, that's really, not, that may shock you, but that's really why I do this. And in doing that, you possessing the vessel in honor and, 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 and um, uh, sanctification is absolutely essential. Now, I said that to say this. Is it that late? It is. Okay, one minute. Listen to this. Okay, there are people that come in here that live together. Pastor, why don't you beat them over the head? Why don't you crush them with the word? Why don't you tell them how wrong they are? There are people that come in here all manner of sin. Why don't you just flat out, you know what, because that, again, would be just they need to obey my rules. It's not my rules. What they need to do is have an opportunity to either reject Jesus or not. If they're living in sin, I want to introduce, I want to interject Jesus into their life so that they can have an opportunity to reject him or not. Well, the church isn't clean. The church hasn't been clean since you showed up. Right? Okay? We're not, we're a holy because of the blood of Christ. We are sanctified because of the cross. Nobody, listen to this, and I'm going to stop. Nobody's going to be lost because of sin, the particular brand. They're going to be lost because they reject Jesus. You follow me? So when they come in, and if you can habitually and continue, I'd like to tell you I haven't sinned lately. Okay? But I'm telling you this, if you can habitually and continually live in sin and not have it bother you to the core of your being, you're rejecting him. You know what it's like to sin and go, oh, I feel like crap. That's, we learn obedience by the things we suffer. All right. So let me say this again, and I'll give you time to ask questions in four weeks. Um, I don't care what manner of sin comes to the door. They're not going to be lost because of the sin. They're going to be lost if they don't get an opportunity to bring that to the cross. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we're like, oh, they're this. Oh, they're doing that. What difference does that make? As if the cross isn't enough for them. What they need is an opportunity to bring that to the cross and put it to death there. If they don't do that, they reject God. You follow me? Whew. I love his word. It's, it's good. It's good. So, Father, I speak your blessing again, uh, your strength, your wisdom, not wisdom of this world. I speak the power of your spirit upon our lives and, and just that revelation that comes. Only from you, your blessing on each and every soul. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.